Welcome back to episode 87 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here at Chess Journeys, we don't just seek to highlight the glories of ratings gain, which are great and super fun, but we also dive into the plateaus and even below that, the pits of despair occasionally. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I want to thank Matt Bush, Jay Garrison, Diamond Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, Lindsay Newhall, and Jeff Peterson. Uh, if you want to get merch, you can on the merch store. Uh, my daughter and I made some new mugs. She's very proud of them. A couple people even bought them. She's very excited. So if you were one of these wonderful people to buy one, you know, post it on Twitter or message me every time my daughter hears uh, that or sees pictures. She gets very excited since she was the co-creator. Uh, I have been streaming on Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes. If you're interested in watching me slowly examine games, my own and Karpov's. And if you want to appear on the show, Filling out the Google form in the show notes is a great way to go. So this week, we're bringing in Shalom. He is a repeat guest. He was on an episode 53. He is an avid tournament player and recently played in the Alto competition. Uh, today, I'm planning to talk to him about his extensive OTB play. And I'm really curious to hear about this wonderful Alto at least 21 event. Was it as great as it looks? Should I be as jealous as I am? So let's get started. Let's bring on our guest, Shalom. How are you doing? And have you played any chess yet today? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, yes, I just got back from playing chess about two hours ago. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a local chess meetup group. And um, I had a great game tonight. It was against a guy who was uh, 500 points higher than me. Whoa. And um, I hung in there. We, we were probably approximately equal in the middle game. He uh, was able to damage my pawn structure and then he snapped off a pawn and um, probably around lasted about 55 moves. So uh, I felt pretty good about that. Very nice. And when you say like a local meetup, are we talking like a weekly rated event? Just people getting together and playing? What are we looking at here? It's funny. This guy just, um, he doesn't know a whole lot about chess, but liked it just started a meetup group at a bar oh nice and um it's it's not really promoted it's and it's not rated it's not organized it's just uh you know a bunch of players show up at a bar not even i mean sometimes only four you know but uh um sometimes even getting uh, eight eight or nine people um it's nice it's a nice little community it's uh you know, once you, for me, once I play over the board, I, uh, it's really hard to, um, I, I think of that as, as almost the only real chess. It's, yeah. it's hard to take uh, online as seriously. So I, I, uh, I really enjoy the chance to be able to play over the board once a week. So no, it's not rated or anything like that. That's not organized. Cool. Um, I'm curious. You, you said like, I played this one person. Are you guys playing like long time controls at the bar? <laughs> um well it's you know I'm, I'm sort of a slow player so uh and it turned out my opponent is also a slow player so we uh so it was like great so let's let's put a clock on this we played 30 30 and i was almost close to the increment for like the last 20 moves um so <laughs> even awesome. though it's 30 30 it lasted 20 hours uh, uh two hours it was uh, it was a good yeah. game though yeah. It's very rare, I find, like at a, just a meetup to be like, let's play a 30 minute game. You know, normally it's like 
what do you want, 3-0 or 5-0? And I'm like, uh, those are both a little fast for me, but okay, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. I uh, played at the Coffee Chest. They have a YouTube channel, but I played at their local meetup at this uh, local coffee shop. It was uh, it was okay, except for it's all 5-0, and I'm bad at 5-0, and I just got crushed four times. So, you know, that, that's unfortunate. And I'm bad at trash talk, so it's like a double whammy, you know, like I can't <laughs> part of it. People trash talk me, and I'm just like, yeah, that's a great observation. I am playing badly. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, so it sounds like you're getting in a fair amount of over-the-board chess then. you getting in these weekly uh, meetups. You've been playing a lot. But I guess before we dive into that, let's do a quick recap of where you were when we last talked. So it looked like it was around July. I think it was right after the World Open that we had just played in. It looks like your rating was about 1,003. What's been happening since then? Um. It's, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I don't know if it's called Zeno's paradox or I may be confusing with another paradox. Is this uh, philosophical? One of the Greek guys, um, he wonders how you can ever get anywhere because in order to get anywhere, you have to travel at least halfway there. And then mm. you have to, from there, you have to travel halfway more and halfway more, and you never get there. <laughs> in terms of wins at tournaments, that's how I feel. I'm getting closer and closer and closer, but, uh, mm. You know, my play is improving, um, um, but my my wins and losses have not quite been coming. Um, I'm in the, uh, I was at a, I got up to the 1080s and then um, at Alto, I just I had a tough schedule. So I, I dropped about 20 points there, but um, I, I'm on the verge, which <laughs> might have been something I said in July, but uh I, I but I can tell the quality of my games are better. I, the the wins should be coming. Got to trust in the process. I'm, okay, I'm old, so I guess the uh, the rate of increment is a little bit slower. I love this attitude, but I do want to ask you this: You're saying you're getting better. What's your barometer for getting better if it's not wins and losses? Because I I need this myself. Like when I when I'm not <laughs> winning, what what's the barometer I should be applying? I guess. Um, I think I have an answer to that. It, it's yeah. how subtle versus blatant was your mistake that caused you to lose? Mm. Okay. You know, if you if you lost on an easy tactic, then that's not improving. It's uh well, I mean, it used to be, you know, uh multiple tactics per game, and now it's you know, down to one and, and the tactic are you know two move combinations, which involve, you know, uh, I just posted today something about a uh you know, a combination of attraction and a fork, you know, that I just, I'm not good at seeing those two move things where the second move is a night fork somewhere. Um, so, and my mistake tonight was just, uh, I, I let him split my pawns on one side. Um, and that, and that was it. That's all, you know, he was, he was good enough. That's all he needed. So, um, so that's sort of how I measured it. Okay. I, uh, you know, and I felt pretty good after, uh, you're going to talk about Alta later. Yeah, I felt pretty good after the Alta tournament. I, um, you know, my, uh, they weren't blatant mistakes. They were subtle ones. Okay. So that's interesting. So even if you're not getting the wins that you would like, you feel like the mistakes you're making 
are higher level mistakes. They're more respectable mistakes, I guess. Do you like apply the engine and feel like you're getting higher accuracy rates as well? Or do you not really use the engine that way? Um, I have from time to time, but you know, the, the engine, a lot of it depends on how good your opponent is. So mm. if your opponent's not so good, your accuracy score, you know, is usually pretty high. So yeah um i'm not i'm not sure that helps so much but i i did once um compare my um accuracy scores accuracy scores of like last year's world open to the year or the most recent one to the year before and they, they were significantly higher so okay um yeah perhaps that is a good barometer any other barometers yeah, but, like uh, but, puzzle ratings or online ratings anything like that that you're using um I don't really use that so much as a, a as a barometer for improvement. You know, it's uh, my puzzle ratings are you know I don't know somewhere between twenty one and twenty two hundred, which you know oh, it's, 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 it's cool. twice my USCF rating. So I'm not sure what that tells me. Yeah. Um, but when I go through puzzle books, I I, um, I think I'm having a slightly easier time as I go through them. Mm. Okay. So again, there's some feeling there of like puzzles seem easier that were harder before. You're making yeah, but, mistakes. Yeah, but it's mostly just how I feel after a game. You know, mm. I, you know, do I? I mean, this is the extreme, but you know, do I feel stupid after I've lost the game, or do I feel like this was a good game and it was it was close? So okay. I'm getting more of the latter than the former. Yeah, that's a good feeling. I think I think that's a good way to uh, to have a barometer. Like, how do those games feel? What kind of mistakes are you making? These all seem great. And so you're on your way. You're making better mistakes. Still not always winning. Not always winning. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> all right. So let me ask you, it looks like you played a lot of OTB this year. What's been the motivation there to really try to get to uh, as many events as you can. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, there's, there's nothing like being in a, in a tournament where there's, you know, a, however many 40, a hundred, 200 people in a room and people are just playing chess and you're sitting and you're, you're unplugged. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, plugged in addictiveness with my phone and my laptop and stuff and so to be able to clear your mind and think of nothing else except for chess for three or four hours at a time um is is just great and you know and everybody's there for one thing it's just to play chess and you get to escape for a whole weekend and i just i really love it and um if i didn't have other needs i i i would be at a lot more but um I want to make sure my wife is not a chess widow, so <laughs> can't go yeah. to too many. But, I, uh, I do love that idea of the unplugging. There's nothing that makes me happier than like I'm getting a barrage of work texts and then a chess a match is about to start. I'm like, well, oh, well, got to turn this thing off. I'll handle that at a later date. Ah, oh, I feel so good. Right. Like how many of us during daylight hours um have our phone turned off for seven or eight of those hours yeah never for me right? exactly never for me either except at a chess tournament 
And if I do, it usually leads to an angry wife. Like, what? <laughs> why didn't you pick up my calls? I called three times. I'll be like, oh, the phone was in the other room. Like, I forgot. I have to have it like in my palm at all times in case someone needs to get a hold of me. Such a weird world we live in now. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, um, it looks to me like you mainly play in big, giant, awesome events. So here's my question. Why not more smaller events? Is there just not something local to you? Does it not work with like your day-to-day life schedule? What's going on there? Um, it, it, it's not really a conscious choice. Um, I, I think that just happens to be the, the tournaments that are around. Um, I mean, if I'm going to take the time to go to a tournament, I want to like get, four or five long games in so that makes it a whole weekend long tournament um and most of those just end up a lot of people go to those yeah okay um, is is another one like it's not as fun to play like the three game 45s in a day do you feel like those are a little bit shorter of a time control than you like yeah i'm still you know i i, I play slow so i uh, <laughs> i'm not haven't ventured into the lower you know, uh, uh, the lower time ranges of, of classical okay. so much. Yeah, for me, I'm a little worried about my brain just getting tired. Like two games in a day to me is a lot of games. I'm um, thinking about going to a game 45 with three in a day and a couple Sundays. And I'm like, oh, my brain really do three games back to back to back. Yeah, that that's that's a tough balancing. Yeah, I um I, I get my brain gets tired. I don't have the stamina so much to, to um, towards the end of a tournament or at the end of a day. I'm, my yeah. brain's kind of fried, but um, I'm thinking eventually I'll get some more stamina. I'm going to the gym more often. That's pretty wild when I think about it. I uh, <laughs> that half my motivation of going to the gym is to do better at chess tournaments. Uh huh. Okay. Are you trying? Yeah, to I could live longer. Too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Better chest tournaments. Ooh, now that's a good idea. Like <laughs> six rating points. Yes, please. I'll do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So, what is it about these big tournaments that that keeps drawing you in? Um. Just you know, I I, uh, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but you know, just just be total immersion of um yeah. total immersion into chess and excluding all the other things of day-to-day life because during the week i'd rather play chess but you know i've got long to-do lists and mm. involved in this and that and the other thing and um i don't really get to sit and focus on chess for a long time during the week during the rest of my life so when i can do it for a whole weekend they want to jump at the chance i just got to say this i thought the whole point of retirement was to be able to play more chess <laughs> well i retired before i uh before i was into chess so i uh, already got involved in too many other things i see i see yeah i'm looking forward to my retirement just like all chess or is that not a reality we'll see okay well let's let's talk about the alto tournament then for a moment because this is i think the second big one they've done and uh, yes, each right. time it's made me so jealous, like just this idea of 
hanging out with other adults sounds so amazing. Like I have no problem playing with little kids, but it's just a different thing, right? Like they have different motivations of the game. Um, there's so much sniffling. I don't know what's with little kids and <laughs> sniffling, but uh, I guess my first question is, how much sniffling was there at the Alto? Hardly at all. Uh, Hardly any. So, yeah, you know, um, the Alto tournament is as good as everybody's been saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, earlier you asked, you know, are, are you right to feel jealous about not going? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, so there's two things about it. So first of all, um, the lack of kids makes a huge difference. Now, I mean, I'm a big booster of kids playing chess. I mean, they are our future. You know, they're awesome. It's great to see all that energy, but it's really nice to have, you know, they have their own events, all those scholastic tournaments. It's nice for us, for us adults to have our own events. So um, the whole vibe is different. Um, And, you know, it's really quiet in the playing hall. And the quietness is contagious. I've noticed, mm. I think this was true with all of my opponents, that like even when you put your pen down after you record a move, people are putting it down quietly. I mean, everybody's aware. Uh. And it's really quiet. And Kevin, I know that you will really like this when I say this part. The lobby is quiet. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's so apparent. You know, when you walk out into the lobby, there's only a couple people hanging out there and it's really quiet. Um, so th- there's, uh, yeah, I, I know you had a big to do at, at one of the world opens, right? With Oh, yeah. Kids. So, you know, you know, when kids play, their whole families come and, you know, invariably somebody's got a little brother who's like seven years old and running up and down the hallways or five years old or whatever. And so there's not, so the whole vibe is different. It's quiet. Um, it's not to say it's more serious. It's just, um, it's just, it's, it's just, it just feels really good. Yeah. Um, uh, there wasn't really a Skittles room, so I'm not sure how, but, but there was, uh, you know, a, a, um, a couple of tables off to the side, um, so yeah, I want, I want to get to that in one second. So, um, so so two things. So so first, I want to mention the vibe um, of the adult only vibe, and and also you know having a social a Saturday night social where, where there's a party. Well, it wasn't a party party. It was just everybody got one free drink at the bar, and that was just really nice. It was uh, yeah, it was, re- it was it was just really nice. So, um, the other thing is that. Um, the guy who founded the Charlotte Chess Center, Peter Giannatos, who I, I was able to have two conversations with him, two long conversations with him, and he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, and because he's a he's a you know a, a, a top chess player, um, he, he does all the little tis of um, making a good chess tournament, and, and some of them are really subtle, but. Um, if you pay attention to things, yeah, I, I noticed them. So like, for example, this is a really example, a really small example. It makes a big difference to me. Um, uh, like they put tape over the door latches, hmm. right? In a tournament hall, people are coming in and out all the time. 
Yeah. And you, you couldn't hear the doors shut. Ooh. I've never seen I've never seen that at a tournament before. Um, because he put, you know, big heavy uh whatever tape tape over it. And um or he also made it so that you didn't have to bring anything to the tournament. So all the boards, all the clocks, provided score sheets, provided pens, and he um when you talked about the postmortems, it made me think of that. He also they also provided um, just extra sets and boards, like right outside in the lobby. So you can just grab a set and board, go to a table, do your postmortem, and bring the set back. Wow! So, um, so it was it was really nice, really well organized, and I met a whole bunch of chess punks there, and um, it was just a grand old time. It was great. It was. I heard was really great. Even the bathrooms were clean. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's too. remarkable, right there. <laughs> well, it, yeah. I mean, in in, I mean, there were only uh, 120 competitors, so it's partly it's. I guess it's easier to keep the bathroom cleans when, as opposed to the World Open when there's a thousand people there. Yeah, that was a lot. Okay. Well, it sounds utterly amazing. It's that social aspect that really uh, is alluring to me. This idea that. Chess is not just about crushing your competitors, but really being with other like-minded adults who, for some bizarre reason, have decided to dedicate so much of their time to this one game. Um, I think being in a room full of those people, just it just seems like such a great idea, especially that social event. Yeah, so you know, I don't know how much of it is that I'm getting to know more people or, or how much of it was just that uh, of what you just spoke of, but I... Uh, there were probably five or six people that I I knew from Chess Punk's Twitter that I got mm -hmm. to meet and hung hung out with a little bit, and that was really nice. That was that was really nice. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm gonna really try to get out there for Labor Day. It's hard because it's like right at the beginning of school, so I don't know 100 percent that I'll be able to make it happen. But I am gonna do my best, and uh, hopefully, I'll be at the next Alto. Yeah, Labor Day is a tough weekend for me to go. Also, and so so here's here's my one little complaint, is that um, it's not near the airport. Oh, so, uh, so not only is there no shuttle, but I, you know from the airport is like I just grabbed a taxi and it was like fifty bucks plus a ten dollar tip. <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay. except for that, it was interesting. Uh, I'm wondering if. Uh... If he'd be willing to farm out the Alto label to other organizers around the country, it'd be kind of cool if like once a month there was an Alto that sort of rotated, you know, different clubs around the country. That would be uh, a cool idea. Wow. That's fascinating. It's a great concept. Um, You know, I haven't, I, I don't recall seeing it anywhere else. I mean, there's like the senior open, but that's, that's not the same thing. This is yeah. this had a ton of people in their most I guess a lot of ton of people in their thirties and forties were there. Have you been to any of the senior events? I haven't yet. I'm think there's one I saw on the calendar that might work out. I haven't tried any of those yet. Okay. Yeah. There's the senior the senior open or senior championship or whatever it is is in Chicago in July, I think. And my family 
is in Chicago. So it works really well for me, except for the fact that I won't be 50 until the end of the year. And you have to be 50 <laughs> on the day of the event. So I'd have to like doctor a birth certificate or something. And that feels <laughs> like a bad idea. Like, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> so I'm just curious what those events are like, um, how well attended they are. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Okay. So Alto, giant success. We should all probably try to, that, that's like my new uh, Reykjavik Open. Instead of the Reykjavik Open, which I really do want to go to, I want to go to the Alto even more. So. It's funny. The Reykjavik is sort of on my list. I I don't know if I'll ever go, but it sounds like a cool idea. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know about my, me me either. It sounds great, but who knows? All right. Um. Well, so you've been working. You've been going to a lot of tournaments for the last year. Uh, what have you been doing to improve your game? I, I imagine you haven't just been playing some over the board chess, and that's it. What have you been doing in addition to it to prep for these events? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I I need to preface that by saying that it, it you know I've been to well, however many turns I've been to. I think Alto was number fourteen for me. I started a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was fourteen. Um, the week before a tournament, I I feel as though I got this huge case of amnesia and I don't know any opening pass move three. <laughs> I, oh. I start like reviewing my openings. And after the first game, it's like, why did I do that? It's, it's it's still all tactics. It's not openings, especially at my level. Yeah. Um. So, um. So I I'm read. <laughs> so after every tournament, I rededicate myself. But actually, I've I've been pretty good at it for the last couple of months. To um, I'm working on two puzzle books that I I like a lot. Um, one of them is the uh, the Tactics Ladder by uh, Say Chess. Hmm. I think Martin Justison. Okay. Um, which one are so you doing? Which which color? The blue one, which is uh, for Fide fourteen hundreds. Okay. Um, and that's that's a good. Uh, those are are challenging for me, so um, okay. that's a good one, and I like to spend some time. And uh, somebody. Uh, um a guy named trip who's a chess punk um told me that he he thought that um and i'll ask you what do you think of this idea that um setting up puzzles over your board for 15 minutes is probably worth 30 minutes of doing it out of a book and not putting mm -hmm. it on a board so i thought that was interesting so over the last week or so i've been putting some of the puzzles on a board nice. um and also i've been um I'm part of the chess dojo training thing and they oh. have that the big fat Polger book of yeah 5334 puzzles so I've been working on so those are my two main puzzle books okay that's a long um, weekend yeah <laughs> um uh. um I've also been doing uh I've been um I play 1d4 so I I've discovered uh Hostia had a speed run about a year ago of um, 1D4 openings. Hmm. Um, so while I'm at, while I'm doing elliptical at the gym, I'll, I'll watch that. And it's sort of just get a, you know, people say you don't have to know openings. You just have to know, um, what do they say about it? You just have to know like what kind of structures you, you have to know the main ideas of the opening, what structures you get. It's like, well, yeah. 
how do you, as how do beginners learn what that is? Yeah. I, you know, um, so watching a speed run is an interesting way to, uh, you know, over the course of about 45 minutes, he, he plays four games or so. And, you know, the same ideas come up over and over again. And uh, you sort of get the hang of, of what an opening should look like. So, and, you know, it's, it's the opening that I play. So, um, so those are the main things I've been doing lately. I think okay. um, playing um, puzzles, uh, watching the speed runs, and of, of course, blitz. I, I try <laughs> try not to get sucked into much into blitz. Mm. I convince myself it's it's good practice for openings, but yeah, uh, I, I feel like it's such an interesting point about openings. It feels like there's just not a lot of material in between the like learn the basic principles and now start like really doing openings courses. Like there's just not a ton of in between there where it's just like a book that's like D4, know the plans. And it doesn't even talk about moves. It's just like, here's a couple structures and here's what you kind of want to do in those structures. Um, I don't know. Th those resources seem challenging perhaps to write, or I don't know if there's just not a lot of demand there, but I think that is a good point that like the speed runs do a really good job of get to hear someone sort of walking through. Um, I've, I've done that with some of the openings I play, especially when Naraditsky uh, is doing a speed run with an opening. I'm like, okay, okay, that I want to see. Uh, I play that opening. I don't care if he's playing a 400. I'm going to learn something from Naradisky playing this opening. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, you're right. There aren't, there aren't, there isn't much material for in between opening principles and, you know, deep, deep dive into the theories. Um, th there was a book, um, it had the word GM in a title. I forget. It was a, it was a Spanish sounding last name. I forgot. Um, oh gosh, it, it it which is all about like the common structures you get. He sorted it by opening and what what mm -hmm. kind of structures you get. And if you look at the book, it, it's all like every diagram is only pawns. Oh, okay. And it's about the, the the kinds of structures you you get from various openings, but um, so so it's not just for grandmasters, but it it is for people that are above my level. <laughs> so is it called um, chess structures by any chance? By Rios? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a really good book, and you're right. I think it's like. It, it's a little bit more advanced. The first time I read through it, I was like, nope, this is too much for me. Um, and really, it was like maybe eight months in when I hit about like 1600. I was like, okay, all right, now I, I feel like I'm ready for this book. But it is really good. But again, it's not that in between, right? It's almost like, you know, the opening, and now let's really dive into the structure of that opening, you know, rather than like using a structure to learn an opening. Right, right. So, yeah, something like that could be really useful, a really basic book with just, I like the idea with just pawns and really, that'll be an interesting idea for a material. Just, it's just pawns. There are no other pieces in the whole book. And it's just like where, like, here's the pawn structure. And then like another diagram maybe is like, here is a great place for the pieces around these pawns. But there aren't moves. It's just like two diagrams. I don't know. That could be a fascinating work. I don't yeah. know if it would have any yeah. sort of audience. And then, like, lots of text explaining what's going on in that structure. 
He might have sample games after that. I I, I can't remember, but I I do remember. Yeah. Like um, I play the French, um, as black against D four uh, E four. So you get a lot of similar like similar at my level most people play the advance so you get like the same structure over and over again and yep. so that was like the the one five page ten page section i read from that book and it was useful you know it was here's yep. the basic structure you want your rook on on the c file because that's where your opening is going to be and your uh you know and your and you know, and your your French bishop. You know, this is what you're going to need to do with it, or else trade it off. And so, um, yeah. So that that was useful. But yeah, it, it's for people that are further advanced than I am. Yeah, I think that book is a really great example of sort of knowledge versus skill. I think it does a good job of having knowledge and then giving you some skill with that knowledge by having all those sample games. I remember the first time yeah. I read it, I did what you were talking about. I just read some Carol Khan stuff because there was a whole chapter on it, but I was so annoyed because it was like the Carol Khan losing every game. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I already know how to lose with this opening. That is not an issue here, man. I've mastered that. So, <laughs> but it was, it was still helpful to see like, how, what are, what are the plans? Where does white go well in this opening? And then the occasional time when black actually holds and wins. So good stuff. Um, returning to, to puzzle books and your puzzle question. I think it's such a fascinating question of like puzzles on a computer versus in a book versus on a board. Um, and I, I agree for me, I would much rather do, I'll say it this way, my calculation exercises on a board. I don't have the energy to set up each puzzle and like take five minutes to set it up. And then within 12 seconds, I'm like, Oh, that's the answer. Like that's not worth it to me. But if it's in a calculation book where I know I'm not just going to get it right away, I love setting up on the board and really diving in and immersing myself. And, you know, I'll think I have an idea in five minutes and I'm like, no, 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 let's dig deeper here. This isn't clear. Let's find a really clear answer here if we can write and write down the moves even. Oh, that's when I know I'm really, really digging in deep. That's interesting. That's uh, I, I sort of the distinction you make is something I learned over the past week is that um if this is going to take me five minutes to solve then put it on a board you know yeah. so I'll, I'll look at it if it doesn't come to me immediately then i'll put it on a board and um so uh and you know it, it's for feed a 1400 so, so you know I, at least half of them are pretty challenging for me so um so yeah, so I've been doing on and like yesterday I ran into a chapter that was really easy. So I, I didn't do any of those on the board. Um, okay, yeah, I think I think that's an interesting way to do it. The other, but 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 either way though, is I don't think I think puzzles on a on a screen are much. They don't work as well for me, so it's either out of a book. On my head or out of a book on the, on a board, but not um, not the Lee Chess or Chess.com puzzles so much. I, I'm not sure that's helping me as much. Yeah, I love to pretend like I'm really diligent and finding the whole answer, but that's just not the case half the time, right? Half the time it's like, I can't solve this. I can admit I can't solve this, but you know what I can do? I can make this crazy forcing move and see if that is the right move. Oh, it is. 
now I'll try to solve it. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, you already got it wrong. Like your rating went up and you actually got it wrong. So like this is <laughs> actually uh, showing you your real puzzle rating. So, and I don't have the <laughs> discipline to be like, nope, I got to make the wrong move because I didn't know it, right? Like I can't do that. I'm not going to have my rating go down for no reason. That's just, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's been a real challenge for me. So I've, I try to do them uh, over the board. All right, so you've got some videos that you're working on for your openings. You're doing puzzles. Any other like strategy books or end games, or are you just a master of these fields and you've moved on? <laughs> um, you know, I I like end games, um, but I don't get into a whole lot of them, and so I I've I've um I've been disciplined enough not to look at them yet. Okay. Um, that's fair just you know occasionally one or two will come up on on twitter that'll look at it and investigate but um i i i try not to i i uh i'm for most games but by the time you get to the end game you can tell who's gonna it's an easy win for one side or the other yeah I, <laughs> it's not always true but um but yeah. the biggest bang for the buck for me is that probably for a lot of people is um at the end of the opening the beginning of the middle game it starts to get complicated especially if you play 1d4 you know you're at move 12 and and none of the pieces have come off the board yet yeah. it's complicated as heck and there's discovered attacks everywhere and um that's just really hard for me so uh you know i end up making this innocuous move like rook to e1 and like the engine like knocks off a point and a half i'm like what like what, what did i do <laughs> um so you know so just um mostly tactics stuff when the board's full of pieces is what i, I need to work on and yeah. you know i'm <laughs> tough to teach an old dog new tricks you know including the process you know i'm finally you know realize i've realized it before but i'm finally putting it into practice you know i'm really that's where i need to focus and if i want to get better i i, I gotta work on that so so that's what i'm trying to do okay that seems like a good idea how many tactics do you find yourself doing a day do you have like a set number you're shooting for you just a set number of time or it's just it is what it is well, um, I actually have one other aspect of tactics training that I didn't mention. I, I, I've made a electronic flashcards. I use a software called Anki, A-N-K-I. It's it's freeware. And apparently it's like, it's really big thing for med students. <laughs> Every, you know, when I, when I started looking for YouTubes on how to, on how to, uh, how to work the software like everybody was it was all med students that were doing doing the youtubes um so i'm pretty religious about doing um and and it will do the space repetition for you oh. so you just um you know it's just up to you to stick to make your own flashcards um so i have about a I don't know. Uh, I think I'm up to 12 or 1300 flashcards and the thing i like about my flashcards is is um probably about a half to two thirds of them are tactics, but some of them are openings and some of them are end games. Some of them are strategy and, and you don't know, just like in a real game, you don't know if it's yeah. just a puzzle or a position. Um, so that takes about a half hour. I do every morning. Um, and, 
that's helped me a little bit. And then, you know, I, I try to get to the tactics ladder book and uh, on a good day last uh, Saturday, I, I was able to do it for two and a half hours. That was really fun. But, oh, wow. Nice. But that, that, that's a pretty rare occurrence. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, it really varies between zero and, uh, I don't know, zero and 45 minutes, I guess, for most days. Okay. Um, you talked a little bit about going over your games. Uh, do you usually use the engine for that? Do you have a coach that you work with? Like, how do you review your own games? Um, I, I actually have two coaches. I sort of sp split time between, uh, Dan Heisman and, uh, coach Andras, Andras Toth. Oh, wow. Those are some high powered coaches you got going on. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they're both so good. Oh my gosh. You know, when you, when you go over a game with them, it's, you know, it, uh, they make it seem so simple <laughs> um, usually, but um, so going over games with them are unbelievably great. Um, but, you know, I, I also go over, you know, I'm not good enough to go over a game without an engine. Um you know, if, if I didn't see it during a game, I wouldn't see it when I review it either, you know, so, but, I, and so the engine will at least tell me missed tactics and it will tell me other things that I don't understand, but I, I use that to then ask questions as opposed to just, I won't ever take an engine thing blindly. If an engine says, you know, a move lost two pawns, I won't just accept that I'll, I'll try to figure out why and then hmm. usually i can't and then i'll ask somebody like what is the big deal about it? and sometimes the engine you know it, it it takes some thought and experience to figure out when the engine is telling you stuff that is meaningless to you um because sometimes dan heisen was was explaining this to me um I don't know how well I can articulate it. I'll try. Suppose you have two moves you can make and one move is, you know, the engine says it's plus 4.5. And, um, but it, if you make that move, it's, it's a really sharp line. And, and the move after that, there's only one good move. And the move after that, there's only one good move. Um, and, and so forth. Not necessarily an engine line. You might call it an engine line, but it's it's, it's a sharp um, line where you have to be accurate. Your alternative move is just plus point, uh, 3.5. Um, but after you make that move, you have like five good options. Yeah. And for somebody who's not an expert, um, you, need to, you need to take the, the 3.5 line, not the 4.5 line. Yeah. So... You know, sometimes there are, you know, the, the engine will tell you something's a better move, but um, if you're not an engine, it's, you know, for a human, it's not the, necessarily a better move. So, so it takes a while to um, to learn that and, and, you know, you need to ask questions of, of people that are better than you to, to see what the engine's telling you. Um, so I don't take what the engine tells me blindly, rather I use it as a tool 
to figure out what questions to ask of people. And, and that's, an, that's an important aspect of learning from an engine. I mean, other than, you know, the opening book, you know, uh, um, you know, a, a number of coaches say that, you know, go over your opening and ask yourself, what's the first move I should have played differently? Yeah. So that's important. If you can learn one thing from every game, that, that's a that's an important thing. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy approach to using the engine. Um, I've heard, you know, some high level players say, like, you shouldn't use it at all. And I don't know. I, I I think I agree with you that there is some space there to learn, but but with those caveats of like you can't just turn on the engine and be like, oh, that's the truth. Cool, moving on. Like that doesn't really tell you a lot other than you didn't make the right move. But really trying to get behind it and like what's interesting about that, what plan would have been a better plan, and and being able to identify that. And then if you can't, having a person to talk to, right, who can be like, oh, well, this is why it's two point five because. There's this plan that you could have done that you didn't see. And I think it's a great point. Nothing irritates me more than when I play a really good game and I put it in the engine and the engine's like, <laughs> that was a blunder. And I'm like, a blunder? It's like plus 5.5. And it's like, but Kevin, there was a plus 8.5 move. And I'm like, engine, you can just shut it right now. Like, I'm clearly winning with this move and it's easy. That's a good move. So I think that is a good point that... uh you know, looking for a good move is fine. It doesn't have to be the perfect engine move. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. As you speak, it just occurred to me that the sort of analogy between using an engine and also learning opening lines, which, again, I, I don't, don't do so much because you shouldn't learn openings at my level so much. Um, but, you know, inexperienced people, they they memorize lines and don't understand why a move is good or not. We all know that, right? So it's the same thing with an engine in a middle game. If an engine just tells you something, you know, if you if you don't know why, then what the engine's telling you is useless. Yeah, I'd say the my best experiences with chess have been going over my games with a coach. It's just such an enjoyable experience that an engine can't provide right like when i go over a game with an engine it's mostly just me feeling bad like oh i missed the following <laughs> moves and then that's why i lost whereas with a coach it's much more of like well let's talk about like what was your plan what were the flaws in your plan what were some other plans did you notice your opponent's plans uh, and it just feels so much more immersive so many learning opportunities where the engine is just kind of like kind of you like an old school teacher with a ruler like bad move what? and you're like hey ah, okay, my bad yeah you're right one thing an engine will never tell you pretty much will never tell you is that was a good move <laughs> so, <laughs> and a coach will <laughs> yeah I, you know everything funny. with uh with an engine is how many centipons did you lose by that move yeah right? exactly it's like going over games with my daughter there's so many times where she makes a really bad move but has a cool idea behind it right and it's like that's a great idea. Let's validate that great idea. Now you did miss your hanging night there. And that was the problem, but the idea <laughs> was really cool. Right. And the engine will never tell you that they'll just be like, you're bad. And you missed this thing. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> but my idea, I don't care about your idea. It lost. The game. <laughs> oh, tough, tough stuff. That engine. All right. Well, Shalom, I guess I want to ask you this question as we start wrapping up here today. Do you feel like playing all these tournaments in the past year and a half or so 
has been worth it? Are you happy you did it? Uh, would you recommend a lot of OTB play to our fellow chess improvers out there? Um, yes, yes, and yes. You know, people, uh, I guess there were, uh, there's been a, a, a couple of people on, um, on, on Twitter today that must have played in um, uh, some Florida tournament. There were at least three people, well, at least two people, uh, Chess Van Doom played in it, and yeah. there were at least two other people uh, played in it where it was their very first tournament. And everybody was, all three of them were raving about OTB play. Yeah, if if you can afford the time, um, even if you can't afford the time, you should try it once or twice. It's really, if you like chess, you know, an OTB tournament is just a whole nother level. It's just, um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really great. And I think it's so important. One of the reasons why I want to talk to you so much is your rating is around 1,000. It's, it's higher than 1,000, but... You know, you've been in that rating range. So the point is you don't you don't have to wait till you're quote good at chess, whatever that means, right? Like, you know, some people good at chess is like two thousand on a chess website. For other people, it's sixteen hundred. These are all arbitrary numbers, right? Just just go to the tournament. I think you'll have fun regardless of your rating. Yeah, the 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 people are nice, and you know, with the Swiss pairing system, ideally by the later rounds, you're you're playing people that are approximately your level. So to, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. You know, I played somebody who is I don't know. She, she must have been in the four hundreds or six hundreds or something, but she won a game. She was happy. Nice. Um, because there were other people that were at her level and, you know, by rounds four and five, she was playing people at her level. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's great. I think that's such an important thing that I think people forget a lot. So like at the Western class championships, I started out zero and two and I was like, Oh, this is really unfortunate. And then I kind of sat myself down. I was like, you know what that means? That means tomorrow morning when you get up, you're playing someone else who's 0-2, who's also had a rough run of it, right? All you have to do is be more psychologically uh, resilient with your 0-2 than they are. And then when I only drew that game, it was like, you know what? Now you're playing someone who's had a really rough tournament. You drew another (laughs) game, now that person's had a really... It's just like you can keep telling yourself, like, I'm continuing to get people who are closer to where I'm playing in this tournament. Uh, maybe I'm having a bad tournament. It's really bothering, but, but you know what? So is my opponent tomorrow. They're also having a really bad tournament. And so, I don't know. I just think it's such an important thing um, to remember. And it really helped me in that event to just kind of be like, it's all right. I'm playing against someone else who's struggling and we'll, we'll struggle together today. Well, well, the main thing we have to remember is that um, it's just a hobby. <laughs> you know, just a don't hobby. do, don't do the hobby if you're not having fun. You know, I mean, you know, unless you're one of the few people trying to make a living out of it, you know, then go ahead, stress, because your livelihood depends on it. But but for the rest of us, you know, and, and another thing, um, you know, when you're having, generally speaking, when you're happy, you're better at stuff. Mm, you're yeah. better. You're a better husband. You're a better parent. You're a better worker. You're a better chess player. You know, just, you know, if. If I don't know when, when I'm at a tournament, I, you know, 
I, I, I used to play ultimate frisbee and I used to run tournaments and it, it's really hard to run a tournament. Oh yeah. There's a, a gazillion details, you know, and I, and it's been really fun to go to a tournament, even though it's a different sport. It's been fun to go to a tournament and not run it at all. And, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that a lot of people are working hard so that all I have to do is show up and play chess. I mean, what a system, you know? And I'm just very thankful that that exists. So, how, you know, how can you get stressed at a, I mean, of course you can get stressed, but, you know, if, if you look at that bigger picture, I, I played somebody at a tournament in December. Um, it's the first time I ever played somebody who was um, OTB, who, who was tilting. Oh. Um, you know, he was sitting next to me in one round and he like, he he blundered on like move 15 and he was like, he slammed his hand down and he, and he left. Uh, and, um, you know, he resigned. I mean, he was polite. He was just really frustrated. And then it turned out I was matched with him the next round uh -oh. and he blundered on like move 11. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, is that night really hanging? <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and so I took the night and he just like stopped the clock and said, thanks, I'm out of here. And he, and he left and he was really upset. And I saw him in the lobby. And um, so I asked him what was going on. I felt bad for him. And he was he was trying to uh, win enough prize money. He had come from New York to DC and he was trying to win enough prize money to justify that he had come down. Oh, that's tough. and I was thinking, man, what what stress that you know that's that's stress, <laughs> you know, um, what you know, you know, to actually you know for the prize money to 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 sort of depend on it, um, is is stress that uh, you know I'm lucky enough not to have when I play, um, yeah. You know, I, I play for the fun of it. That's somebody who's not playing for the fun of it. And it reflected in his play. Um, but for the rest of us, you know, just uh, my son is a saying, you know, if you complain about something, you know, he'll say, ah, oh, first world problems. You know, if, if you're playing in a tournament and doing bad, I mean, yeah. really? It's like, <laughs> is that so important? The answer <laughs> you know, is yes. I, I play just yes, for fun and, uh, you know. If I lose, it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, some other tournament next week, you know, in a couple of months, I'll try and get yeah. them back. Okay. So, yeah, that's a great attitude. My daughter has that attitude as well. I'm just so impressed. Um, she plays, she wins, she loses. She's like, okay, that's fine. I played a good game. I can accept that that person was better than me. I'm like, huh, okay. Because I don't care what my opponent's rating is. I'm always like, darn it. I really thought I had a chance against that 2300. It's like, you didn't. You had no chance. <laughs> Especially after you put it through the engine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The engine's like, wow, what are you even doing? What is this backgammon over here? Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, Shalom, thanks so much for coming on. It was really great catching up with you again. I'm uh, so happy to see that you've been able to make it out to so many events and got to share with us your experience at the Alto. It sounds even better than I hoped it would be, which is, you know, hard for me to even process. So Charlotte Chess Center, get ready. I'm going to try to make it out there uh, for Labor Day. Yeah, well, I hope you do. And if, I, if 
I'm guessing they're going to try to do two a year now that they're going to do one on Labor Day. So uh, yeah. um, they were pretty happy with the with the turnout and how it went is to my understanding. So uh, they're going to they're going to keep doing it. They're they're big money makers. They have three other really large tournaments a year, and that's where they need to focus on. They're they're not a nonprofit organization. But um, but they do things for the good of the community, um, you know, such as Ronaldo and this and that. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it seems like a really nice. Uh, I'm very a, a great first impression of the Charlotte Chess Center organization and Peter Giannatos and and what they do. Yeah, yeah you'll have you a. Do, I mean, you, you can you know the difference. You know, you've been to a CCA run tournament, right? So, oh yeah. And you can tell that, you know, those guys are running tournaments for a living. Yeah. And um, Peter is doing it at least in part for the love of the game. And that that's very clear from from everything. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's awesome. really good. I just need to convince him to run one in a, in the middle of the summer so I can go no problem. Right. As, as a teacher, that's my free block of time. And when it's not in the middle of summer. Boy, it can be hard to fly across the country, but we'll, we'll yeah, see. yeah. All right, I well, hear you. thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. If people want to get in touch with you, should they uh, find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter, um, <laughs> Nova Chess Guy with underscores. It's, it's 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 I guess you'll stick it in the podcast notes or something. Yeah, yeah. Nova stands for Northern Virginia. That's where uh, I wasn't huh. very creative with my name, so. That's too bad. I thought it was like like supernova, like you're unstoppable or something. <laughs> somebody asked somebody else asked me if it was like Nova Locks. I don't like, know. <laughs> no, it just just Northern uh, Virginia. Well, I mean, you could always lie to people. That'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh for all of you out there listening, maybe this will be that week where you get all of your ratings gain and glory. And I hope it is. If it's not, it's a plateau or a pit of despair. That's all right. It happens. Let's continue with the process. We'll work our way through together, and I'll see you next week.